Jesus, Buddha, Kali, Krishna, Isis, Mandela, Sophia, Mohammed, Yahweh, Sai Baba, La Virgen, Maria, Wakantanka, Ramana. Silence, freedom, detachment, devotion, wisdom, surrender, salvation, compassion, sacred, oneness, abundance, the truth remains, Lord is This is Patricia Keel, and you're listening to the Oneness Program on Oneness FM. We're offering a wonderful opportunity today to share with a Oneness Blessing giver and trainer from Southern California, Melanie. Melanie, welcome to the Oneness Program. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. I'm so grateful to have you with us. And you've had quite an extraordinary experience. And I I just want to let our listeners know, before we kind of backtrack to how you found oneness, but Melanie actually had an opportunity to be in India and to be in sacred service at the Oneness University, last year and I think you said you were there for six months was that correct yeah so you've had an experience that most other oneness blessing givers and trainers like myself would really feel (laughs) blessed to have had and from that experience to come back to the states and be able to offer the oneness teachings and to be able to be a trainer um, is an extraordinary gift. But before we, you know, move into present time, one of the things I love to have us do in these interviews is to share with our listeners, many of whom have never received oneness blessing, may have glimpses of their own spiritual experience, but to really share with them how you came upon the oneness blessing or how the oneness blessing discovered you and just give us a sense of what your life was like and how that all transpired for you thank you that's a beautiful question so i was raised um in new york city uh, predominantly around very successful people and i had never heard of the word enlightenment i certainly didn't know of any other spiritual seekers it was all. Uh, it was nothing that I had any context for or background with. And at a certain point in my life, I got exposed to my first what somebody would call enlightened person. And it actually began. When I think about it now, it's kind of like torture, because I didn't know before that time that it was possible. And when I say it, what I'm referring to is someone living in complete freedom the possibility to live in a state of happiness no matter what was taking place and to be completely free as a human being was so remarkable. I didn't know that that was within the realm of possibility for human beings because I saw no living examples of that. So the first time that I encountered such a being, I wanted this. You know, it's like you don't even know that you want something until you find out it's possible. Kind of, does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. So there had been no longing for this, and the concept of God that I had was something very remote. Sort of God was far away, and maybe it was high standards, possibly evaluating. I, I wasn't living with an intimate God, and it wasn't a good feeling. I think, you know, especially if people have a God that they're afraid of, it's a terrible kind of way to have to walk around in the world when God could be your very best friend. 
so um, I had this kind of remote God, and then I was introduced to this possibility of this word called enlightenment. And what I came to find is that very often the people who are in this beautiful state of grace, they've received it from grace, and they may or may not have the ability to transfer it to another person. Now, when so you what, say grace, well, what do you, what do you, how do you? Yes. So grace is what I would, in this moment, what I would speak is a consciousness that's higher than thoughts. Mm. So a higher consciousness, a higher awareness. Mm-hmm. So it's something that, by its very nature, then would have to descend, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the level of thoughts, we can sort of. Um, you know, we've all maybe, or maybe we haven't, but maybe some of us have practiced or wanted to be very positive and hold positive thoughts. And then when we're really honest with ourselves, we have to look at how long are we capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. And what actually is interfering? What is obstructing that? Why wouldn't we be able to just be having positive thoughts all the time? So when I speak grace, I'm speaking a source higher than thoughts, a consciousness higher than thoughts. And its nature and its quality, in my personal experience, is very blissful and uh, very peaceful, harmonious, and loving. And it's not something that I could necessarily access by thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and maybe many of our listeners have had that that momentary experience if they're meditators, you know, and it's the no-thought quality, or maybe being out in nature where you have that expanded awareness uh, of consciousness that you're really connected to all that is. So, yeah. Yes. Hard to think your so way my, into that, though. <laughs> really very hard. Very much so. Very, very much so. And that's kind of what you're pointing to is interesting because you're saying that, you know, in certain circumstances, the mind can expand, like in nature. Maybe it can relax and kind of expand a bit if you're staring at the ocean. And in that moment of the mind becoming more peaceful, a higher consciousness can become more present. It's like it goes from the background to the foreground. Mm-hmm. So the mind can, can expand, but it's not its natural permanent state per se. So um, that's when I use the word grace. Does that clarify it? No, I think that's beautiful. And, uh, you know, I'm okay. I'm reminded of your saying that you came from New York from very sort of successful energy. And so the contrast is is very vivid for me um, to think mm. about New York and sort of that what we see as high energy, high pressure, um, mental versus this quality of expanded consciousness, higher consciousness, grace consciousness. So beautifully, yes. beautifully explained. Thank you. Thank you. And in fact, that was a very big contrast for me because all I had been taught was sort of achievement through thought mm-hmm. and um, and the incredible pressure of sort of you're supposed to be other than where you are. So it's a constant striving. And so it's a constant sort of discomfort internally around all the people around me. Mm. And I wasn't seeing actually any happy people per se. I saw many successful people. But success and happiness, they're not one and the same thing. So otherwise, you know, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett would be elated, right? Right. They'd be walking around in in permanent ecstasy if this was true, you know. And um, one does not equal the other per se. Mm -hmm. So um, let's see then. So I became exposed to the first person that was living in an awakened state, and it created this unbelievable desire in me to have that. But at the time, the only thing that was available was then, okay, put this into practice. So it was kind of like, you know, the difference between, let's say, um, having to study the Bible versus the experience of I and God are one. It's two different universes, you know, so I kind of had to go to spiritual study school is what it felt like. And I was very involved in doing meditation and doing very serious spiritual practices. And what it did was it took all of that achievement energy that I had from New York and applied it to striving to become enlightened. which is More spiritual. Yeah. Completely <laughs> ridiculous. I'm going to now... <laughs> You know, work on becoming more spiritual. I'm going to work really hard to become peaceful. It was bizarre, you know, and I was very dedicated, and I would wake up at 3 in the morning, and I would, you know, I was very sincere Mm -hmm. in my heart and in my efforts, 
And I wanted this so badly that I thought, okay, I must do. I must do whatever is told to me kind of a thing. And I did. And I was sort of very dutiful until I burned out. And one, well, one thing actually that kept me there, I just want to say, like, you know, we talked about these expanded moments. I also happen to have an internal wiring system. Like, you know, everyone is kind of a radio station picking up a different kind of a broadcast and having different, we're each, you know, having different gifts and different talents and strengths and different things that we offer. And I had a particular wiring that's just, you know, my creator made it so um, that I could kind of go very high into spiritual states. Some kind of like a kite that would just take off and go very high. But just like a kite, when the wind drops out, boom, I would be plump. (laughs) Boom. So as equally high as I had gone, there was a contrasting hard-hitting on the head low when I came back down. Mm. So I sort of felt like God's yo-yo. And it was kind of crazy-making because I would, let's say, do these practices. I would go into a very high state. I would get very expanded, but I couldn't maintain it in any way. And then I would come crashing back down. And the contrast between the two, it's kind of like having an amazing lover that kisses you at the door and then slams the door in your face. Mm. It was so confusing. It was very painful. So I, and also my life became out of balance because in order to maintain or experience or want to connect with the divine more deeply, I had to sort of dedicate my life to this. And then the other aspects of my life were getting very out of balance. And it wasn't working. And after years and years of being in this cycle and having many beautiful experiences with the divine, I was in this moment where I was at a HOMA. Shall I explain to the listeners what a HOMA is? I think that would be good. I'm quite sure many people don't know what it is, have never heard the word. Okay. Beautiful. So a HOMA is a very ancient practice that was proven to be very successful, so it was repeated and held up. You know, it's like the ancients tested these different systems, and anything that worked, it maintained itself to this day because it would get repeated. So what is used in a homa is one of the five elements as a vehicle to deliver prayer very potently in a very focused way. So, for example, you know, there might be somebody has uh, an ability to work with the wind or with the water. They can use that element in order to powerfully deliver their prayer. And a homa uses the element of fire and the power of that element. And my experience had been, I had done them before in my spiritual practices, and my experience had been that they were very powerful and that prayers done in homas that were done properly were answered. So I was sitting in a particular homa of yet again another kind of great teacher. That's another thing. See, I used to sort of come back to the world and work, and then I would hear about the next awakened teacher, and I would run off and go study with them. So you'd actually leave your job and go and be wherever this teacher was, go to an ashram (laughs) or something? Yes, very often that's what I was doing, Mm -hmm. because I had such a deep desire to, you know, what, what I said, as soon as I heard that word enlightenment, it's like, if you don't know it's possible to be a millionaire, and then someone says, yes, it is, and I can teach you how, and if you want that, you just kind of don't give up. You know, Mm -hmm. it becomes a deep driving passion. And so that's how my life was. And it was completely out of whack, you know, totally out of balance because then I would hear about the next great teacher and I'd go. So I found myself sitting at this homa of a great being and I started to have that bliss come in, like the kite was kind of taking off kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And the strangest, most surprising thing happened. So I was getting completely high. You could call it sort of enraptured. And I got angry. Hmm. It was really sort of surprising. And I told God, you can keep this. I don't want it. Because I know what's coming. I know it's going to come down. I know this is not permanent. And furthermore, I can see that the people in my life who may not even believe in you have better lives than me. My life is a mess. It doesn't make any sense. And I think I've made a big mistake chasing you. And the odds don't look good because what I see is that one teacher has it, they have thousands of students, and no one else is getting it. Mm. And I played the wrong lotto ticket in life. 
was sort of the feeling. And I started to get really enraged at the divine. Like, you know, why did you make me to fall in love with you or chase after you? And, you know, and then all of these kind of up and down experiences. And it's a losing battle. You know, nobody's waking up. So why am I spending my life with this? And I, I said, you keep this bliss. I don't want it. You take it back. And I even, I remember at one point, it's, it's kind of funny to me now, but I really, really felt this in that moment. I, I said, you know, if this is what you've got, like that you can get me high and then it doesn't last, you should have just let me be a drug addict because then there I could have come. a normal life <laughs> with normal people sure. and then I could pick and choose when to, you know, no. have this kind of experience. Gee. I was so angry. I was really so angry, and I was so surprised, really. Like, can you imagine feeling this love and bliss, and all of a sudden, your response to it is anger? Mm. It was really surprising. So this is what I found myself saying into that fire. And again, I have experienced them to be very potent. I said, you've got three choices, because I've given my life to you. One, delete me from the records. I'm done. I'm finished. If this is what life is going to be like, you have 7 billion other people who can do it for you. I am finished. Two, you can bring me someone who actually can deliver this. It must be permanent. They must be able to do it. And this up and down must end. This coming and going experience with you must stop. Or three, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm finished being a seeker. Let me go and have a normal life. I'm not talking to you anymore. It's going to be no more prayers and no more meditations. Let me just go and live in peace as a normal person. And, I'm, and no more seeking after you. These are your choices. You decide what you want to do. I'm done. Wonderful. And We're going to take a break right here. This is just the greatest place to take a break. We're releasing this into the fire, and we will be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Oneness Program, and this is Patricia Keeler, and I'm here with Melanie, and we'll be right back. edge of the fire looking into the fire <laughs> waiting to find out <laughs> although i think i know oh. the answer <laughs> oh so what happened is i left this fire in a state of despair and i went home it was so dark you know they say darkest before the dawn right for some reason for the the light the contrast of the dark is there and so I barely could work. I, I just, I'm not even sure if I did. I think at a certain point I had to take some personal days. And I lay in bed raging. It was the strangest experience. I was just raging at the divine. And at the end of it, it was sort of like seven-day torture chamber. I finally said, okay, I'm done now. I know the answer. I'm not going to be a seeker. This is the last time I'm going to speak to you until, you know, the end of my life. And I'm going to go and try and make a, world, a life for myself in the world. And I got a phone call from uh, a very dear friend of mine, and he and I sort of have gone to many of the same teachers over the years. And he said, you've got to come check this out. I said, oh, no, no, not <laughs> interested <you're> anymore. <laughs> Thank you, not interested. And he said, no, 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 you've really got to come check this out. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not a seeker. And he said, okay just listen to this. There's this Swedish couple. They're coming into town and they're talking about guaranteed, which kind of got my attention. <laughs> the guaranteed permanent. part. Yeah. Mm. Guaranteed was very interesting. Then he said these words, permanent mm. that, and enlightenment. Whoa. Now what happened for me was I had to be honest with myself that what I had prayed into that fire was I want something that doesn't come and go. I want something that's a permanent connection. And he was using the word permanent in a sentence with the word guaranteed, wow. which I thought was out, outrageous. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to this thing just to laugh at these people. 
because it's ridiculous. I've never heard such a thing. It's outrageous. No, who's going to guarantee this? You know, I have been to some of the highest, most amazingly God-realized souls on the planet. They're not guaranteeing anything. So I thought I would go just to laugh at them. And also, I think I was sick of myself because I had just been (laughs) (laughs) in such a... in such a yeah. you know place of, of despair so I thought oh this will be entertaining but I certainly wasn't going with any kind of open-mindedness so I arrive and within the first five minutes the joke's on me mm. you know I mean I, I was in the back row with my arms crossed waiting to laugh out loud and I within the first five minutes I'm hysterically crying because I'm very clear that my prayer was being answered and that very specifically what I had been talking about was being addressed. And I couldn't believe it. But what I really knew in that moment as I was listening to them is that, so I'll tell you what I heard. I remember kind of striking a chord for me at that time. They, they explained this very pain that I had been in and said, you know, anybody that talks to you about enlightenment, but they can't give it, it's like, telling a crippled person how fantastic it is to be dancing. Yeah. It's unkind. It's mm-hmm. unkind to the soul that's experiencing that. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me start crying. But what really happened after sort of the recognition of what my experience had been was, oh my God, whoever is saying this, whoever the messenger is of this message, they know they can do it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, this is what I was praying about. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. I just was awestruck. And it was just, you know, that was the beginning for me. So that, I think, answers the question that you asked me originally. Beautiful. So when was this, Melanie? This was in 2005, um, and in, in April of 2005. And the thing is, because I'm so energy sensitive, I was very curious what it would be like to experience my first diksha. Because I said, if there's really an energy that's associated with this message, okay, everybody, you know, all bets are off, game over. Everybody right. that wants it, it's going to make it. So it was very exciting. So when I got my first diksha, this is what happened. This is amazing. So, you know, simply by two people placing their hands on my head, I was meditated And what I mean by that is I was sent into a meditation that I could not get out of. Mm. Now, the experience for me of meditation in the past was a lot of personal effort. Like, okay, we've got to quiet the mind down. We've got to be able to focus. You know, whatever Mm. in the world it took, even just to be able to even get present enough to consider being inside of a meditation, it took so long just to get to that. All of a sudden two people put their hands on my head, and I can't get out of meditation. I don't know how I got in it, and I can't get out. I was sent so deep, so quickly, from nothing but what was called a blessing, or at that time it was called a diksha, that at the end of the program, I heard them saying, you know, like, ma'am, this facility is closing, you've got to get up. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not even sure they're talking to you, right? That's part of what's going on here. It was hilarious. I practically had to be walked out. You know, I knew that people were talking to me. I knew that I was supposed to do something like move. There was a cognitive understanding, but there was no ability to do it. Mm-hmm. That's how deep this... And this was your very first blessing. oneness blessing in Very first oneness blessing. And so there was then, to me, no question that the source of this energy, or grace, as we explained earlier, was real, and that the message associated with this grace was the most amazing thing I had ever heard in my life. Unbelievable. So much for prayers spoken in homas and answered prayer. Really beautiful. Beautiful. I think it's also maybe about just the sincerity of the prayer. Absolutely. It's it's really, you know, like um, Bhagavan, Sri Bhagavan of the Oneness University says this beautiful thing. Somebody asked him, Bhagavan, how can I get closer to you? And he said, and these words, I think, are very special for each person. It's not having to have a relationship with Sri Bhagavan. It's about relating to the divine. He said, come as you are. So what that means to me is that 
it's not about, okay, you know, I'm coming before something bigger and better and different than myself, so I have to put on a better posture and clean myself up and become this other thing that's not me to get somewhere in this relationship. No, it's the exact opposite. It's whatever's there. I am helpless. I am whatever it is. And that is perfect. That's the way that the relationship really gets real. Because imagine even just talking to another person. You know, if what you really want is past the potatoes, but what you're asking for is, can I have some water? It just, how can they help? Mm-hmm. You know, or if, if the real desire is, can I please have a dollar? Better just to have that authentic relationship. It cuts through all of this kind of, do you see what I'm saying? I don't uh, know if well, that's clear. Absolutely. And I think that what you're saying is is in such contrast to what many people, you know, myself included, have become over the years in calling ourselves spiritual seekers. You know, we've got so much accoutrement that we've dragged along to make it perfect or make it appear to be perfect. And, you know, yes. we've added the baggage of certain outfits and certain kinds of deities that we have to have on our altar yes. and the right kind of incense. Yes. And, you know, and if we don't have the flowers and we're not, you know, we haven't closed our eyes properly and put our tongue on top of the roof of our mouth and we're not sitting in the right lotus position that we can't ever make it. You know, and Bhagwan's just saying, you can come with your dirty blue jeans on, and and if you're feeling angry, just bring your anger. You know. Yes. And that is yes, such I mean, a beautiful thing. The, that is where I started. Look at where I started. I started with an angry prayer. Mm-hmm. I was just enraged. Mm-hmm. That was the truth for me in that moment when I spoke it. And God didn't say, "Oh, well, I don't like your anger." <laughs> <laughs> you know, because if God would say that to my anger, then God's not God. Yeah. Yeah. You see? So come as you are. Come That's the message. Are. And and nothing can be judged. How can it be judged? Because we don't even know necessarily how we got this way. I'm sure that people that are angry don't necessarily want to be angry. Right? We don't even know how we got this way. So why does it make sense that the creator of all that is is going to then judge how it is? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there is no judgment. So every hair on your head is known, so it doesn't need to be brushed. (laughs) (laughs) So now our listeners are creating the picture of the wild-haired Melanie out there. (laughs) No longer angry. (laughs) Flying up into the ethers on her kite string. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, you know, I think this would be a really great time in our sharing together for us to offer a oneness blessing and i think i'll i'll offer our first blessing and then in the second part of the show later on we'll have you offer a blessing melanie but just to really bring all of our listeners into this awareness of the beneficence and the bountiful grace of the divine that calls us to be present to the presence of the divine in whatever way that we show up in this divine moment, that knowing that we are always on holy ground and that the divine grace of the presence and the power of the one, by whatever name you choose to call that presence, is available to us to connect with us. And so I invite you now, as you're listening to the program, perhaps you're driving in your car, and if you are, that's absolutely beautiful know that the grace of the divine and this oneness blessing will reach you wherever you are no matter what you're doing if you are able to take this moment and to be seated and to gently close your eyes i invite you to do that as well to just find that place of relaxation in the physical body and to become aware of your breathing Just allowing yourself to become gently aware of the breath. Breathing in, inhaling, and gently exhaling. And simply finding that rhythm in the physical body, connecting us with the rhythm of all life. And in this moment, as we offer up the oneness blessing, as Melanie and I create this intention for each one of you, let this be an intention to open more fully to that presence of the divine. 
in this moment, whole and holy as we are, in full acceptance of all the feelings that are flowing through us, of any thoughts that may come and go, and to simply allow the grace of the divine to connect us more deeply to that well of oneness that is grace, that is peace, that is love. And so now we offer you this grace, this oneness blessing. for the power of this divine grace as it flows to each one who is listening out of the heart of the one. And as you're ready, I invite you to open your eyes and to be fully present to this moment, to feel that expansion in the physical body and to be in that deep place of gratitude. And you're listening to the Oneness Program. This is Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, and I'm here today with Melanie, and we're really having an opportunity to open to that allness of who we are in that place of deep acceptance as Melanie shares her story of finding the Oneness Blessing. So thank mm. you, Melanie. Thank you, Grace. Mm. So, Miss Melanie. <laughs> people, people are always so amazed that we can actually offer the Oneness Blessing and it's an intentional experience and that people receive it on the radio. They receive it on their through their computer, through their iPod, through their iPad, through their speakers, wherever they are. It's quite a powerful experience. And so I'm really grateful mm-hmm. to be here with you and have this opportunity to share this experience with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to take another little break right now. I think we'll play a little, maybe a little Angelica. We'll hear her Twameva, which is a really beautiful oh, chant. Yeah. And we'll take a moment here to listen to that and then we'll be back and uh, have more opportunity to have Melanie share with us. So again, you're listening to the Oneness Program on Oneness FM. We'll be right back. We've got you now totally blissed out, and <laughs> somebody help, helped you to the car. But I know between that experience in uh, 2005 and where we are now, you have had many journeys. You've been back to India. Uh, you've become a blessing giver and a trainer, and you've been in sacred service in, in India uh, for six months. So... For the next part of our show, I'm really going to open this up to you and to really invite you to share with our listeners 
one or two experiences that come into your heart that you feel really guided to share. Uh, just allow you to find that place within yourself. Thank you. So what I'm struck by in this moment is really the love of the divine. It's a little bit what we were sharing earlier, that there's no expectation that you be other than who you are, as you are. And for so long, we have been sort of lost in the idea that we're striving to be something better or different than what's here. And really, what I've experienced is that God is saying, as you are, it's perfect. <clears throat> you know, the, there's this beautiful um, saint in India who's very revered. His name is uh, Ramana Maharishi. Mm. And when he went into union with the divine, and he was emanating such peace and love, many of his followers came to him and said, please, get out of this cave and go do something. The world is a mess, you know? And we, it, please do something. We need your help. And he looked out at them, and he said, but I don't see anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, okay, you know, everything, though, yes, we should just say that violence is wonderful. This is not what I'm saying. It's just that the state of blessing is blessing what is. So it's loving a hurricane and loving somebody's anger or hurt. It's, it's being with what is so and not saying that it needs to be otherwise. That pressure and that tension of needing it to be other than how it is creates conflict. And it's that very conflict that then shows up as these strange disasters we see in the world. Because just like you know, at home, if two people are fighting, eventually that child that's in that environment will start to act out. It's kind of similar, you know, water is very responsive, as we've learned from certain scientists, and um, I believe the Japanese um, Emoto who showed about the effect of thought on water. So if, if so many of us are conflicted, internally, it makes sense that water would then rise up and do some strange behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's it's reflecting something in the external world. And, you know, it's my current perception and experience that, you know, accepting ourselves as we are, it's to say that conceptually, okay, sure, yeah, how am I supposed to accept myself? But it starts with the idea that how I am is okay. You know, I can love myself even if I've been very mental, even if I've been very disconnected, even if others haven't loved me, even if I haven't been my version of what I think successful is. It doesn't mean love needs to be withheld. You know, nowhere is that written. And so it's kind of like holding ourselves again as newborn babies, that whatever's going on inside is exactly, exactly as it's supposed to be or else it would be otherwise. You know, so many of us, we don't even know how we got here. We don't even know how we got the things that are inside of us. Many of us, you know, were predispositions of our lineage and so many things. So we're, we're somewhat helpless, and we're all in the same boat. So there's no one to judge, least of all ourselves. But, you know, we can only really judge another person if we've stood in their shoes, if we have their same evaluation system and their same experiences. Otherwise, they're walking around, you know, the sum total of everything that's ever happened to them. So how can we actually judge and evaluate that? We don't know what it is they've been through or what standards they're judging themselves by. So it's a very strange, you see, we're all in the same boat. And so this kind of compassion towards each other that each person, even whether they're realizing it or not, they're longing for that love and that freedom and that communion with the, design, with the divine. So we're all in the same boat. And so when we look out at each other, you know, for me that's kind of where compassion is born from, that, you know, if I'm suffering, then so too is someone else. Very often we look around and we think, oh, well, so they must all have it together, and then therefore they're personally acting this way towards me, which is inappropriate, and it's intentional, and they may not even know why they're acting that way. They may not even want to be acting that way. 
you know. So it's um, a sense of, I think this also came to me because I did spend so much time seeking and not finding that I understood, oh my goodness, you know, I felt this profound compassion for the seekers because here we were, we were all in the same boat. We were doing mind treatments or we were meditating or we were reading or praying or we were working so hard, but none of us were getting it. And it just made me so mad. And I think that's part of where the anger came from. You know, I just looked around and it's like, oh, you know, Lord, look at how hard we're all working. When is when are we going to get rewarded? Or are you only going to have five favorites, you know, and spread them around the world? I mean, there's seven billion of us. When does it become our turn too? And, you know, I just sort of had that feeling when I used to look out and it moved my heart very deeply. I feel a little weepy when I think about it now. So I feel very deeply for people and 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 the situation that we're all in. And so in that way we can extend a little... Um, you know, sort of room to each other that we're all going through something and everyone is is really doing their very best. And um, there's a beautiful story that Bhagavan shared that also touched my heart so much. Um, before he had the Oneness University, Sri Yama and Sri Yama Bhagavan had a school, Jivashram, which was for young children. And there was a time in the school where there was one boy who was acting out very badly. He was very disruptive and causing a lot of tension in the community by his behavior. And they, the children decided that they wanted to have him expelled. And they went to Sri Bhagavan and they said, Bhagavan, well, at that time he was known as Headmaster, <laughs> Headmaster Sir. So they said, Headmaster Sir, we would like this boy kicked out. And he said, okay, let us call a meeting to discuss it. And they all made their case against this boy. You know, he's wrong and he's bad and he's done this and that and he disrupts and da-da-da. And they all stood against him and made these cases. And Sri Bhagavan said, yes, okay, but may I say one thing? They said, yes, yes. He was, of course, you know, so loved by the students and particularly for this non-judgmental quality. And he said, there's one thing I must tell you, that within the mind, all of these qualities exist, this fear and this anger and these various tensions that you're describing. So this one boy is holding it for the entire community and he is expressing it for all of you so that you don't have to. Now, if he leaves, it will transfer to someone else. (laughs) So, if you like, we can expel him. Or, if you like, let us keep him here and honor the service that he is doing for the rest of us by expressing it so that you don't have to. Which was amazing. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. So, they all began to help him with his homework, carry and get lunch for him, thank him so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for expressing this anger and being so badly behaved so I don't have to, you know, and thank you so much. You know, and they all became so grateful to him. And as a result of all that love that he received, though, then it did transfer and it did move elsewhere. And the phenomenon sort of showed, okay, it's going somewhere. So in that regard, you know, when we think about people that are in prison, they're doing a job for the rest of us so we don't have to be the ones expressing that. You know, or in a way, it's it just, for me, there's such a deep compassion that's being born for humanity and the boat that we're in, the situation that we're in. And, you know, it, that's been sort of unfolding for me um, as I've been coming deeper and deeper into this experience of living with disgrace in a more permanent way. So as you asked me, you know, to share sort of what's in my heart, that's what's there today. And just sort of, it's a very tender compassion for people. Mm. You know, so when you look out and you don't like how someone's behaving, understand that they're suffering very badly. You know, and so what we can do is even just send them the word love. You don't even just think it and send it in their direction. Love, love, love you know, because maybe they had an entire lifetime where people said no to them all the time, and they just got so hurt that their heart shut down, you know. So just 
even mentally think love, 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 and send it to them. You know, it's kind of like loving and blessing and just peacemaking everywhere that we go, you know? Beautiful. And I know Bhagwana often talks about something that the people of HeartMath talk about, which is the the way the coherence of our heart is connected to the brain and how when we can be in that place of love and gratitude and appreciation, just like the children at the school were for this boy, we we shift the vibrations, literally the electromagnetic field of our heart, which is much greater than we all could even imagine, does something to the brain. It does something to our brain, and it also is transmitted to those around us. So by doing what you're suggesting, Melanie, by just holding that field of love, speaking the word of love, we are become transmitters, in a sense, of a different vibration out into the world, very powerfully. Mm. I'm saying that because I know that there might be some people who are listening that haven't been initiated yet into being blessing givers, but they can still offer their blessings. I'm going to bet that most of the people listening have not been initiated as blessing givers and that some people may be wondering, well, this is all very good. You know, you've been to India, you've received the oneness blessing, somebody's put their hands on your head, you're feeling these experiences. Um, what What is it that I can do in my home, in my, you know, where I live? And uh, you've given people uh, something that they can do from right where they are. Also, just to let people know, there is a wonderful website, worldonenesscommunity.org, that was created by a blessing giver, Carrie Chin. And you could go to worldonenesscommunity.org, and wherever you live um, in the U.S. or actually in other countries, you can locate someone who is a oneness blessing giver or a trainer and uh, make that connection so that you can get involved if you so choose to do that. Or you can keep listening to the oneness program on Oneness FM day and night and receive these oneness blessings. And with that as a, as a segue, I'm going to invite you, Melanie, to lead us now into a oneness blessing experience with our listeners. Before I do that, I just want to respond also to what you just said. And, um, you know, I have a deep respect for everyone's particular individual path, however it unfolds from within them. And if you are feeling a resonance with what you're hearing right now, then I do very much encourage you to go and get initiated to become a blessing giver because the difference between, let's just say, saying the words love versus being able to actually call in the light and transmit that light with that love to another, it's exponentially, exponentially more powerful. So I just wanted to kind of tie that up with a little bow. So So thank you. And I'm just going (laughs) to, we're just going to take a little, break right here. Okay. And now, Melanie, if you would lead our listeners in a oneness blessing, that would be extraordinarily beautiful. Thank you. Mm. So if you're driving, please just you keep yourself safe. But if you are in an environment where you can close your eyes, please close your eyes. And put your hands over your heart. Maybe take some deep breaths into your heart. Your breath is something that's always available to you. And when you take deep breaths, it also allows the mind to relax. And then I will be transmitting a blessing for everyone that's Bhagavati 
know that God has just chased after you. That's what happened. <laughs> God chased after you. <laughs> very good. Very good. So, Melanie, you are um, now back from your six months in India. And um, was that, did you go over there with the intention of staying or were you there for a course and were you were guided to stay? How did that happen? Hmm. Uh, I absolutely did not have the intention of doing that. <laughs> um, I went to take a course. And just as we spoke earlier, I think you were mentioning how Sri Bhagavan says that when there are changes in the heart, it can affect the brain. And similarly, changes in the brain can affect the heart. We're sort of transmitting stations. So when I went over there and I went through the various processes, um, and some of these processes are available to us here in the United States. You don't have to go to India. You just have to find a trainer that's local to where you're, li- where you're living now. And I went through these processes. Um, there was such a shift inside of me that very kind of um, in the magical way that God can make things possible that were not possible, everything shifted such that um, I was asked to stay and then the opportunity to stay became available and then there were so many, you know, circumstances that I could not have created. But I can see that they also naturally occurred out of these shifts in my heart and in my brain that had been made. And it opened up that I was asked by the monks to stay and to be a helper there. And everything came together without my effort, just with complete ease. And that's, for me, the experience of grace is that there's ease to it. When it's my personal effort, very often it's very uncomfortable and filled with friction. And uh, grace is just kind of like sugar in the coffee. It makes it all sweet. Beautiful. And so since you've been back, are you offering mm-hmm. courses? What are what sort of uh, blessings are you offering here in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, it's, it's a ticklish question for me when I hear about it because, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I was, I was asked to teach and um, I have had a certain reluctance to do it and, um, that's why it's a funny question for me. I, I am, in fact, teaching and initiating um, other people to be blessing givers and taking them through the processes. Um, there's two levels of teachings that happen in the Oneness University. One level has to do with being comfortable living within the mind. So what that means is, let's say, you have to spend your entire life in your house and you're never going to get to leave. Well, if you have sort of furniture in front of the windows and, you know, you're bumping into things and it's kind of a mess everywhere and you're uncomfortable, rearranging this furniture and kind of cleaning things up and getting it to where you can sort of feel peaceful in your own home is kind of like the teachings at the level of the mind. And all of us who have been in transformational work have some level of familiarity with it because we've been working at this level for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But Bhagavan's particular expertise is sort of a preparation for awakening. So he's making sure that, you know, the pillars that are needed to be there, the right foundation is put in place. And, you know, that you don't have a weird table blocking the door. So if he opens the door, you can actually get out, you know, that kind right. of thing. <laughs> so, he, you know, he's given us sort of the foundation of what's the most important things to do to prepare and to get yourself comfortable within your own home while you have to live there. But ultimately, what people are seeking at the spiritual level, which they may or may not even know, because it may never have been articulated or been known to be possible, it's actually freedom from the very mind itself, from the very seeking of anything, from the very thinking about any of this. It's not meant to be knowledge. It's not meant to be intellectual. It's meant to be direct experience. And that's what everybody must have. And so ultimately, that is freedom from the very mind itself. It doesn't mean the mind is no longer there. The mind, it's like a tool, like a computer to be used, but you don't want to have to live inside of your computer. Mm -hmm. 
And so the distinction is, you know, living inside a computer could make things very dry and dull. And that's the way the mind operates because its capacity is words and labels. So, you know, if I were to spend five hours talking about swimming with the dolphins in the ocean, that's nothing compared to being in Hawaii, in the ocean, looking a dolphin in the eye. And that's the distinction. That's why he says we're not living because we're stuck inside of this, like, machine that is label-making and making everything old and making everything small and sort of dead and... We're meant to be experiencing. And so ultimately, this grace is designed to free us from the mind, from the, you could call it the prison of the mind, or Bhagavan speaks of being declutched. And I've certainly, you know, what, what he's saying is the mind is still there. One is able to use it. But it's not that every thought that goes through the being, this is my experience of what happens. It's like, Without the grace, every thought that comes through is sort of like a punch in the head. I'm experiencing those thoughts. And with the grace, it's sort of that those thoughts are there. And it's kind of like now I'm the audience member at my own movie. And so it can be sort of enjoyed. There's not so much that strong feeling like, this is happening to me and it's really bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, more, mm. it's more of an experience of, oh, you know, like, oh, this is here. But it's, I'm sort of like ice skating through it, and it's it's more fun, and um, and it doesn't it doesn't mean that there's the absence of any of what was there before. It's just that the relationship to it is different. Beautiful. That's all. Well, uh, you could probably share about this f- at length, and yet we're coming to the end of our hour, yeah. and um, I just want to tell you how beautiful it has been to have you on the oneness program today and i look thank forward to so connecting much. with you again melanie thank you um, so much so i know that you've been a bright light for many people who've been tuning in today and we'll look forward to having you in our archives so people can listen again thank so you again so much. Y- yeah you're listening to the oneness program and just maybe a final goodbye melanie and we'll be off oh, the air I'm- so grateful to have been able to spend this time with you. It's, it means the world to me. So thank you so much for the opportunity and for listening. And I share my love with you. Beautiful. Well, namaste, everyone. Reminding you, you're listening to the Oneness Program. You can go to onenessprogram.com and look at our schedule of wonderful interviews with Oneness trainers from all over Also, we're closing our show out with the group Here to Hear, H-E-R-E, Roman numeral two, Here. They're a fabulous group that play beautiful music to enliven our spiritual natures. So let's listen to a little Here to Hear as we close out the show today. Brought you here. Where will they take you tomorrow? You believed in spite of fear And you stayed strong Had faith and followed No, nothing can hold you back From your truth Now it's up to you and only you to choose. Yes,
And now you're sitting right here so 